bread to us fits in a certain context that uh, we are going to establish so that we, uh, we get ourselves into this series. Uh, Richard gave, us, gave me the pretentious title, um, How to Save the World. As I was thinking about it, I actually um, thought of something very poignant, a conversation that I had with um, my Emily just a, a few weeks ago. Her, one of her best friends uh, had her 18th birthday just a couple of months ago and her older brother was driving home from Reading where he's at university to give this friend an 18th birthday present and crashed his car and killed himself. And Emily's friend has been wrestling with all sorts of things since, not least, what's God doing in this? And she said, why can't God just rescue the good people, save the good people, and let the bad people die in car crashes? Why do good people, and he was a lovely boy, I met him once and Emily knew him quite well, why do good people seem to die early as much as bad people? And I said to Emily, well that's an interesting question, and um, in some senses, part of the answer is found very clearly in the Bible, that actually it doesn't work just to save the good people and judge the bad people. It doesn't work for a reason that we're going to see this evening. So hold that thought in your mind and we'll go back to the beginning of Genesis and we will uh, get in to our minds, the context of what is going on as we lead up to the story of Abraham. Genesis uh, 1, 2, of course, have everything, everything in the garden is rosy, so to speak, rather literally, and, um, uh, or at least on the way to being rosy, and everything is good. I couldn't have a cup of tea, could I, Ken, while you're up there? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and Genesis 3 Genesis 3 of course everything goes wrong it goes wrong because of mankind's sin the man and the woman uh, get together disobey God and from that moment not only their relationship with one another the, the, the whole uh, the whole of creation and and their relationship with God is all um, marred and damaged. Not completely destroyed, but marred. Um, but within the Genesis 3 story, of course, is a magnificent promise. A promise that you could sum up as uh, a promise from God, I am going to save the world. 
and this, this room is full of Bible scholars so someone feel unabashed at answering the obvious um, tell us where that promise is I will put enmity says God between uh, to, to the snake who represents the devil Satan I will put enmity between you and the woman between your offspring and hers he will crush the offspring of the woman, will crush your head, and you will, um, Daniel confesses to being an ESV nerd, um, and it is the same word um, in uh, the original, you will crush his heel. There is um, a parallelism between the crushing, the two crushings. The significance is though the offspring of the woman he will crush Satan's head whereas the snake, the devil will only strike his heel or crush his heel so there there is going to be a battle royal between Satan and the offspring of the woman, the outcome is going to be the crushing of Satan. And if Satan is crushed, then in fact all evil is defeated. And God will once again eradicate, eliminate evil from his universe and save the world. Okay, so that is the context that uh, the story, the unfolding story of Genesis um, sets for us. And then, as I think every single Bible nerd in this room will know, um, the, um, uh, the ongoing story of Genesis is the story, and, and of the whole Bible, is of looking for the serpent crusher, the, the, the descendant of Eve, of the woman, who will crush Satan and therefore destroy him and all evil. And um, uh, uh, there is some hope in Genesis 4. Who can summarise the hope in Genesis 4 and how it unfolds? There are children. Yes. Um, Notice what um, uh, Eve says about Cain. With the help of the Lord I have brought forth a man, she says, of this baby. Uh, It almost seems to be an inflated hope in her mind um, uh, about uh, about this young man. A man, a descendant, an offspring Maybe he will crush the head. But what happens? First murder in the Bible. Um, Cain murders Abel. And then what happens? Yes, thank you. Yeah, even further from the Garden of Eden. It doesn't seem to be getting better, it seems to be getting worse. 
what about his descendants the offspring of Eve what happens to the offspring of Eve the descendants of Eve Uh, that's Genesis 5 Yeah, and interestingly, um, Lamech in verse 23 is, uh, is the seventh from uh, Adam and Eve. So it, so it traces that line down seven generations as if that's a sort of completeness. And uh, what has happened? Well, it has, they've got worse and worse and worse. Cain um, murdered his brother, but Lamech um, will murder someone, kill a man that has killed a man, simply for a minor um, injury. If Cain is avenged seven times, verse 24, then Lamech 77 times. I'm going to be even worse than Cain. Okay? So, Genesis 4, it seem, it, it's just getting worse and worse and worse. It's one disappointment after another. Yeah? If I had a son like Lamech, I would be deeply disappointed. Um, uh, Genesis 5, John's already given us the answer, so I'll race through it. Uh, what happens to the hope, each one dies. And then he died, and then he died, and then he died, and then he died. It says there's a little sort of ray of hope, possibly with Enoch. Notice the seventh again from... Um, um, does it say it, or am I just... I know it. Oh, yes, thank you very much. Um, does it say it's the seventh? Sorry? Yeah, thank you. I know it. I just wonder whether it said it in English. Yeah. Um, so, uh, they, they, they each die. Okay, and then, and this is important, and this is what, where, we're, where, we, where we're starting to get um, to the main point of uh, what we're going to look at today. Then comes the solution for how to save the world that your average person in the street has. The solution is the solution that Emily's 18-year-old friend was reaching towards. The way that you save the world is you eliminate all the bad people and keep all the good people and then you'll have a proper world. That's, that's what people think. And that's what seems to be happening in Genesis 6 to 9. Look at this chap, Noah. Um, people generally have become awful. Um, God saw, um, verse 5, that how great man's wickedness on the earth had become and that every inclination of his thought, the, the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. And the Lord decides to wipe, them, uh, wipe mankind from the face of the earth. But then here, verse 9 of chapter 6, is Noah. He's a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. So, okay, he is a good man. Surely what God needs to do is rescue him, eliminate the rest, and then we'll be sorted. And that's exactly what, 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 seemed, what, what um, God sets out to do. He warns him of this flood that will wipe everyone from the face of the earth. He's generous enough to, to, 
to uh, allow Noah not only to be the saviour of, of, his, of, his, of his family, but also of creation in one sense, in bringing all the animals into, uh, um, into the ark and uh, rescuing creation under his benevolent headship because he is righteous, blameless, walks with God. There is no one better than Noah. And um, God, chapter 8, verse 1, it's the turning point in the, in the flood story. God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and livestock that were with him in the ark and he sent a wind and the water um, uh, subsides after it's destroyed all the bad people and Noah is rescued. But then what happens? And this is vitally important. Ken. <laughs> Why did that come from Ken, do you think? <laughs> he does. All right? Then um, Noah gets drunk and his whole family becomes uh, torn apart as a result of his father's sin. So what's happened to the righteous, blameless man who walked with God? He wasn't good enough. It didn't work, you see, wiping out everybody else and just saving, even if they just saved Noah, the only one. It wasn't going to form, to save the world, to destroy evil and eliminate it from the world. It's vitally important um, for us to understand because it sets the scene for the rest of the Bible. So, Noah is special. How special in uh, Genesis 12 is Abraham? Or Abraham as he is at that point. What's his special characteristic that marks him out as the as a as a person whom God is going to set his favour on? What, do, what where where does that special characteristic get described? Go on. Um, it's certainly there in, uh, in, in Hebrews and it's there in Genesis chapter um, 15 um, verse 6. So there is something special about him, something, uh, something really important about him. But what I want you to see, because again it sets, sets the scene for Abraham and the rest of the, uh, rest of the Bible, is that there is no characteristic of Abraham, Abraham described that makes God say, I'm going to choose him. God just chooses him. Noah's the opposite, see? Every characteristic that, that would make God want to choose him. And the story has already told us really clearly. It didn't work. There was, sin was not eliminated. Evil was not eliminated. So God just says, I'll have him. And I'm going to choose 
him, whoever. I'm going to choose him to be the vehicle of my purposes for the whole of my creation simply because I'm choosing him. There's no other reason. And he will become the father of all my people. Not because he's intrinsically righteous, but because, as Ken has pointed out, Genesis 15, you're probably doing Genesis 15 separately, aren't you? So we won't rush there. Genesis 15 separately. Because he trusted God. Not that he'd been seen to have a heart that would trust God beforehand even. God doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't identify that in the text. But it is the one thing that marks him out. That he does believe God and trust him. And so becomes the father of all people of faith. And now we begin the story, the real story, the story that's going to work of the salvation of the world. God chooses Abraham. He promises him amazing things. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I'll make your name great. You will be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Um, That process will continue, not because of the goodness of any character, least of all Abraham, but because of the promise of God. And it will have to be God who completes it. When you get to the New Testament, we're still looking for a descendant of Abraham who's good enough to fulfil the promise. But we really should have known that no straightforward descendant of Abraham would be good enough. It has to be a descendant of Abraham who's also God. So Jesus says, uh, Romans 1 for instance, picking up on Abraham's great descendant, David, in this case. Jesus, as to his human nature, was a descendant of David, who was a descendant of Abraham, who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the Son of God by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ, our Lord. This is what the Gospel is about. A descendant of David and Abraham who is God and even the creation of good people after Jesus had died on the cross and paid for our sins even the creation of good people came not because God then chose intrinsically good people to be saved but because God said, I'll have her. I'll have her. 
and he placed his spirit so that he produces the goodness by his spirit and fulfills his purposes. How to save the world? Quite surprising, really. Choose someone almost at random and then, as God set out to fulfill my purposes, God's purposes through that person. Finally, all nations are blessed. Well, I've set the scene. Other people will do more. We've run out of time. I wonder whether a couple of people would uh, lead us in prayer. Just perhaps praising God for his amazing ways that he works. And perhaps I feel from my heart as well, thanking God for the fact that he doesn't choose people because they know I like. But actually, he chooses everyone in the same way he chose Abraham.
Thank you for your unstoppable purpose. Heavenly Father, as we look back on the unfolding story of your purposes in in Scripture, it is astonishing. Almost every generation must have looked at itself and thought, how is that? great hope going to be fulfilled and yet you were uh, unstoppable Lord you fulfilled your great purpose in Jesus and so we look at our situation now and Lord, we cannot help sometimes thinking how on earth are you going to keep me to eternity? eternity? How on earth are you going to bring people from every tribe and nation in? And yet you have promised to do that and you will fulfil your promise. We bow before you and we thank you and we praise you And we ask that you will strengthen our hearts to serve you in our small corner of your your field, Lord. And live in peaceful confidence in you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Speak Abraham in earnest.